Hi everyone, thank you very much for joining us for episode 22 of Infraction. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. So, as we discussed during last week's episode, today's case is about Skylar Peterson Tozik. Skylar was 20 years old when he went missing from Escondido in California on the 30th of August 2015. Skylar's mum Olivia described Skylar as being quite a shy and reserved person who liked staying home. He was undertaking a degree at Palomar College in business, but from what I can tell, he actually still lived at home and hadn't moved away for his studies. Skylar actually ended up becoming the carer for his mother's fiancé, whose name was Ray. I couldn't actually find out what illness Ray had or why he needed care, but he was, from what I can tell, in a wheelchair, and I think he had to spend a lot of time in bed, which is why Skylar helped look after him. Ray and Skylar played musical instruments together, Ray played the ukulele, and Skylar played the bass guitar. Growing up, Skylar was in a band, but unfortunately he had to move schools, which meant he couldn't be in the band anymore, and this really, really upset him. He lost quite a few friends too when he moved schools, and reports say that he struggled to make new friends at his college. By all accounts, it really does seem that Skylar was just a very sweet, quiet, shy 20-year-old boy who helped out his family a lot and also helped to look after his stepfather. However, in August 2015, Skylar started acting a bit strangely. On Friday the 28th of August, Skylar told his mum that he was going out to see some friends. This was slightly uncommon as Skylar really had only a handful of friends and didn't go out much, but Olivia Tozik, his mother, didn't think anything of it. Skylar's car actually wasn't working, so in order for him to go to his friend's house, he decided to call an Uber. Some reports online actually say that this is quite a big deal for Skylar, as he was a very socially anxious person and wouldn't normally have done something like that. Um, But he left his home that evening at around 6pm and went to his friend's house in the Uber. Later that night, Olivia called her son to see when he'd be coming home. He said that he didn't know if he'd be coming home or if he was just going to stay at his friend's house. And Olivia said, that's fine, but just let me know. Skylar didn't go home that night. He rang his mum the next day, so this is Saturday the 29th, and said that he was sorry he hadn't told her that he was staying out all night. Olivia said, that's fine, but who are you out with? And Skylar said he was out with two friends called Thaddeus and Eli. This was very confusing to Olivia. Like I mentioned earlier, Skylar only had really a small handful of friends, and Olivia knew all of them, and she had never heard of Thaddeus or Eli before. That Saturday night, Skylar didn't come home again. Olivia was understandably really worried and she couldn't get a hold of Skylar at all. He eventually came home on Sunday afternoon. He was extremely dirty and covered in dust. Olivia asked what happened to him. Skylar said he'd been outside climbing a Pascal Valley, which looks to be about a 15 to 20 minute drive away from where Skylar lived. He said that he'd been climbing there that Saturday night, but that it had been over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's about 38 degrees Celsius, and he said that he'd gotten really dehydrated. He therefore claims that he walked back down the mountain or cliff area where he'd been climbing and walked to the San Pascal Academy to get some water. The San Pascal Academy looks to be a home for foster teenagers, and it's situated relatively close to where Skylar said that he'd been climbing in that valley. He went to this academy and asked them for some water because he was dehydrated. They gave him some, and it seems that they then assumed that Skylar had drunk his water and then left the premises. In fact, what Skylar did was find a room that wasn't being used, and he lay on the floor and fell asleep. Someone reported that they did actually find Skylar asleep on the floor, but that they just left him there and let him stay asleep. He woke up at around 7.30 in the morning the next day, 
And then at 1 p.m., he was given a lift back home from one of the employees who worked at the academy. It's unclear what he did at the academy between 7.30 a.m. when he woke up and 1 p.m. when he was dropped home. As you can imagine, Olivia was obviously very confused by this story and Skylar's account of where he'd been the last two days. Skylar was not an outdoorsy person at all, and his story sounded really strange and really bizarre. However, she didn't question it too much because I think she was just really, really happy to have Skylar home. Shortly after Skylar had arrived home, the family sat down and ate some food together, and then Olivia went into her room to do some work on her computer. Unfortunately, when she finished up her work and went back downstairs, she realised that once again Skylar had gone. She frantically messaged him, asking him where he'd gone. He was still severely dehydrated and he'd literally only just come home. Skylar didn't reply to her text until around 8pm and he said that, once again, he was with Thaddeus and Eli. This worried Olivia a lot. It was very unlike Skylar to leave without saying goodbye or without telling her where he was going and she really had no idea who Thaddeus and Eli were. On top of this, she was worried that the last time he had spent time with them, he hadn't come home for two days. He then sent his mum a very bizarre text message in which he'd said something along the lines of, There are two women here now. They are rich. They are connected. And they have passports. They want me to go. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Aside from the fact that this text obviously is really strange and doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, Olivia was also worried because Skylar didn't have a passport, so whatever it was he was talking about didn't sound particularly legal. She was worried that maybe this trip was drug-related or something like that, but Skylar replied to her message that insinuated her fears, and he said, this isn't drug-related, this is a spiritual trip, and then he said, we are going to, and then the text message ends there. He never told her where he was going, and that text was the last time Olivia ever heard from her son. She started looking through his things in his room to try and find out where he might be or if there were clues as to who Thaddeus and Eli were. She found his iPad, and when she opened it, his college timetable came up. She was confused to see that he had a religious studies class on there, as she had no idea that he was taking that class, and she felt that maybe his mention of going on a spiritual trip might have had something to do with religion. In her mind, I think this also made sense, because she felt that Skylar had changed since going to college. She thought that maybe he'd been learning things in his religious studies class that might have influenced him or something like that. It was strange that he hadn't told her that he was taking that class because the two were really close and things like that were things that they talked about. On Monday the 31st of August 2015, the day after Skylar up and vanished from their home, Olivia filed a police report to say that he was missing. An investigator from the police said that they did look at the missing persons report that she filed, but that according to California state law, if someone says they are leaving, which Skylar had done, then they aren't technically missing. It's unclear if the police investigated this or not, but there's very little information out there about this case, and I assume that is because there was no police investigation. It's quite difficult, I think, because I can understand it from their point of view that Skylar did text to say that he was going away, but obviously this is just so sad for Olivia because, from her point of view, she did know her son and she was absolutely convinced that he wouldn't just up and leave and never speak to her again unless something else had happened. Olivia, with the help of a private investigator, did her own digging and she managed to track down the Uber driver who had come and picked up Skylar on the day he had left the house without telling anyone. The Uber driver was really helpful and told Olivia that he had dropped Skylar off at the stop sign by the San Pascal Academy, that same place that he had said he had been on Saturday night. 
The driver said that Skylar had been wearing a big backpack and that this had really stuck out to him because Skylar was incredibly slim and his backpack had been huge. He'd remarked that it was bigger than him and he had no idea how Skylar was able to carry it. Unfortunately, the Uber driver couldn't comment on where Skylar had walked to next, whether he'd gone into the academy or whether he'd walked in a different direction. Some reports online say that he was headed in the direction of the wild animal park, but I can't really verify if that's true or not. All we know is that he was dropped just outside the stop sign, which is near the San Pascal Academy. During Olivia's search through Skylar's belongings, she realised that he had left his ID and his wallet and all his money in his bedroom. His toothbrush and other sanitary items were also left in his room. It appeared the only thing that he'd actually taken with him was his phone and his phone charger. This was confusing as the Uber driver had said that he had a big rucksack on, and judging by the fact that the driver said that he was concerned whether Skylar would be able to carry it, we can presume that it must have looked quite full. Olivia raised this point to her mum, and also to Ray, and she realised that Skylar had asked Ray for a torch, and that he'd given him one, and he'd also asked his grand for some toilet roll, which she had given him too. On top of this, other reports say that his blanket from his bed was also missing. I think from this we can sort of infer that he seemed to have a bag of supplies of sorts with him. Further digging revealed that the day he disappeared, he also called his dad. Some reports online say that he told his dad he was going away for a bit, but I can't confirm if that information is actually true. I don't think Olivia has ever confirmed that, so he might not have said that, but either way, he did call his dad at some point on that day. He's not been in touch with him since, as far as I can tell. Olivia really has always thought that maybe he was manipulated and brainwashed by a cult or a religious or spiritual group, and that's why he left. She says that she does think he is still alive, and all she wants is just a phone call from him to say that he's okay. Basically, because there hasn't really been any police investigation, that's kind of all the facts that there are on this case. There's obviously a lot of theories out there, some of which I believe have been investigated, um, and actually one of these theories was that he was either adopted into or got himself involved in with the Rainbow family. So researching this was quite confusing. But I think this is the Rainbow family of Living Light, which is a group of hippies who travel around and they have big festivals every year. I think the reason people think that maybe um, he went with this group is because of Olivia's theory that he'd been brainwashed and maybe joined a group or a cult or something like that. Um, but this Rainbow family preach spiritual things and um, Skylar has a self-realization blog and he posted loads of things on that about spiritual beliefs and stuff like that. On top of that, there was an article in 2009, so that's six years before Skylar went missing, but this article referenced seven members of the Rainbow family who had been arrested for trespassing. They list the names of all the suspects in that and one of those men was called Thaddeus and one of the other men was called Eli. Obviously, these are super strange coincidences, but as far as I can tell, I think, to be honest, coincidences is all that they are, because I think the police have looked into the Rainbow family and they've come up with nothing. Although in saying that, a lot of things on the internet do kind of suggest that the Rainbow family are quite elusive and they don't really like to talk to people about things. So Skylar might be with them. We just, we can't confirm that or deny that. The Thaddeus and Eli that Skylar mentioned in his text have never, ever been tracked down. It's unclear if that's because they were using fake names or if they just weren't real or what. And I think if they were part of a group or a cult, it's likely that they were using fake names, especially since Eli and Thaddeus are both biblical names. Some people online think that maybe they didn't even exist and that Skylar was either high on drugs or having hallucinations or that he was suffering from something like schizophrenia. 
It's important to note that I can't see anything anywhere that suggests that Skylar was a user of drugs. I think the schizophrenia point is interesting, and I don't know if you can provide a bit more information on this, Sal, because I have seen that I think it's around the age of like 20-ish. That's kind of like the prime time for when psychological illnesses like that kick in. Um, although actually thinking about it, I think that information might have come from criminal minds, so I don't actually know if that's true. Um, so I don't actually know um, either, but I can imagine that that would be the sort of, I mean, it's quite hard to diagnose something like schizophrenia, obviously in very young children, um, because the symptoms, like frankly, are quite complex. Mm. Um, so that definitely does sound like it could be true. Um, and as you were telling this story, I was wondering myself whether they actually were real at all. His story was very strange about where he was a weekend. Mm. Um, the fact that he took a torch and a loo roll, to me, that doesn't sound like you're going away with a group of people. You would take your possessions. Taking like a torch and a loo roll, to me, sounds more like he's going somewhere remote, um, maybe like out towards the valley that you mentioned, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that instance, I don't know why, in my head, I just thought actually, if he's going somewhere sort of slightly remote alone, um, I don't know, I guess my brain just jumped to, I wonder whether... Eli and Thaddeus are actually real um, or whether they're just part of his imagination because if he'd been say I don't know indoctrinated into some sort of group or even just of his own volition met like a spiritual group that he wanted to travel with etc I mean like would you not if you're completely sane of mind and going somewhere and you knew exactly where you were going why would you not take clothes you know if you're running away from home why wouldn't you just take your normal stuff yeah I totally agree with that that's how I feel as well I feel like It's very bizarre that he says that he was climbing this mountain or cliff or whatever he was doing, but that he got dehydrated and then he went to this um, academy for foster kids and he got water there and that Thaddeus and Eli weren't with him at that point. Like that, it does seem bizarre that if they were all out together, then you would imagine that if one of them is suffering from dehydration and maybe like heat stroke because it's like 38 degrees Celsius, um, like you would imagine that all of them, like all three of them would and maybe they went together um and also his text the next day where he said um about the being with two women and that they say that they're connected and things like that that also seems really really strange i mean i've seen theories online that suggest that maybe they were human traffickers or something like that um but then it kind of seems weird to me that like you know if he was with these people beforehand that then he would go home and like have dinner with his family and then like leave again um it just does all seem a little bit strange. I mean, I don't have any idea how human traffickers work, but I can't imagine that it's like that. No, I agree. And I would have thought, and again, I don't know, that he'd be quite a strange demographic to be a victim of human trafficking in what sounds like a reasonably um, established place. You know, yeah. like, respectfully, it's very first world where he lives. Um, and to me, that just sounds like a stri- slightly strange thing to occur. And like you say, I think his text... To- sounds quite incoherent to be honest and Mm -hmm. they're connected and they've got passports it's all very odd um and uh yeah to me like him coming home very dirty and dehydrated sounds much more like someone who might be like suffering from some sort of hallucination who's actually just spent a couple of nights out in the wilderness for want of a better word Mm -hmm. than yeah meeting this kind of strange and exclusive group of people Yeah, well, I definitely agree with that. And kind of going back to your point about him being like all dirty and stuff, it's, I obviously alluded to this last week, but there's, you know, the theory that this case is connected to Bear's disappearance, which we obviously discussed in last week's episode. And when I was getting my notes together for this case, I realised that the night that Skylar says that he was out all night and that he was climbing mountains and stuff like that, and that time that he came home super dirty, was the same night that Bear went missing. 
Um, and if you can remember, Bear's phone pinged in the mountainous area of Santa Isabel. So I kind of was like, well, is it possible that that's where Skylar had been that night? Had he been helping Bear disappear or was he doing something to Bear, maybe as part of an initiation for him to get into a cult or something? I mean, obviously the phone pinged in Santa Isabel and Skylar said that he'd been in the Pascal Valley. So I don't know. Um, you know, they're both mountainous areas, but they're obviously they're not the same area. Um, but Bear and Skylar lived only 20 minutes apart from each other. Although I must say it does, it doesn't really appear that they actually did know each other. Um, and obviously Skylar went missing the day after Bear did. The only other kind of coincidence I would say, other than the fact that he was obviously dirty on the night that Bear went missing and that he disappeared the next day, was that Bear's real name, if you can remember, was Elijah. And so it's kind of been questioned whether or not the Eli that Skylar was talking about in his text messages, whether or not that was Bear or not. Although on that point, um, Lalani, who's Bear's mom, has said that Elijah never ever used his name as Elijah and he would never have called himself Eli, so I don't know. Um, but I guess to me that sounds like a weird coincidence, but I think it might just be a coincidence. I don't know what you think about that. I think it's really, really hard, isn't it? Because they are two quite striking coincidences. Mm. Um, and sometimes you see things and you think actually coincidences are quite unlikely. A lot of the time there is more of an explanation yeah. that makes them not a coincidence. Um, but in this case, uh, I don't know. I feel like the there's so much in between to explain, isn't there? Like, okay, so yes, it was the same night he was out and dirty, but what possible reason could he have to have been with Bear if he didn't know Bear? Um, like you say, that involves there being 100% some third party who never A, came forward or B, got caught by anyone despite both cases to some degree being investigated um i think that's easy to say like two people live 20 minutes away but and think oh again there could be a link there but if i think of 20 minutes from my house i wouldn't even probably be able to name the majority of the towns 20 minutes away from here mm -hmm. so actually it doesn't sound very far but in terms of like your day-to-day -day life that can be quite a distance um so yeah I think my gut instinct is probably to say they're not linked but then it is very difficult because um, if one thing strikes me about both of these cases I actually kind of think to some degree they both have quite an unreliable narrator so Bear's case is Bear was obviously a very sick kid um, and his whole story or like background really that we understand is from the point of view of his mum mm. who is probably always going to be slightly biased because her child growing up with like an illness his whole life she's had to be much more protective of him than other mothers mm. and therefore is probably less critical um and similarly in this instance Skylar was a carer for someone in his family so he may or may not have got away with a bit more he also may have felt quite like oppressed by his home environment and therefore it might not be that strange that he looked outside of the home for something to go on and do and escape from I mean like his mum says he doesn't have a lot of friends and didn't go out a lot but was that actually because really his home environment meant he couldn't go out very much yeah um and so then you wonder if actually okay well maybe neither of these mothers completely knew what their children got up to I don't know maybe they did know each other maybe they were both involved in something be it religion based or um I don't know anything, then maybe it is possible that there's a link between the two boys that does explain both of their disappearances. And I just think in both of these cases, it is probably quite possible that they might have had quite a big chunk of their lives that their families, who you rely on in these instances to find out about them, maybe it is possible that they, that, yeah, there was something that we just don't know about.
Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? It is so difficult, especially because, I mean, you can always talk yourself into kind of any theory, really, couldn't you? Because, I mean, even when you were just saying it then, I was just like, actually, you are right. Like, Bear really needed kind of like round-the-clock care and um, Skylar was a round-the-clock carer for his stepdad. So is it possible that they both went somewhere together um, because he could look after Bear? But then you're like, well, actually... There's no evidence anywhere that Bear is still alive, unfortunately, because, I mean, he would need his prescriptions, he would need insulin, things like that, and there's no record of him being anywhere. And then it also begs the question, like, why? Why would these people who seemingly don't know each other, these two 20-year-old boys, um, why would they just up and leave their families and not tell anyone and just disappear? And, like, what would they be doing? Where would they have gone? It's hard. I think I can talk myself into quite a lot of theories in relation to this but I think that they're probably not connected although there are so many striking similarities like even down to what they look like I'll obviously post the photos on Instagram but they look you know like they could really be brothers and it's just very it's very very bizarre um but yeah maybe maybe it is just coincidences I don't know I mean I think even their parents now don't think that the cases are linked but as I kind of briefly mentioned anyway last week that they they have found um Lilani and Olivia have found a lot of comfort in each other um in kind of helping each other through this so I think it's amazing that they have each other but yeah I think it's probably more likely that they're not linked yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree to be honest I think like we were saying it's easy to look at coincidences but actually there's probably a lot of differences if you know the cases incredibly well. Well, there is already on the surface. Um, and actually, yeah, I don't think that them, the proximity in which they live is warrant enough, really. I think, like, the timelines, again, if you were to take a select amount of people and see how many people go missing, sure, it's a coincidence these two did so closely to each other, but actually if you were to just look at statistics it's not odd at all that two people might go missing in very similar time frames do you know what I mean and therefore statistically mm. sometimes people will do that who live very near each other um and don't know each other particularly so yeah I don't think it's um yeah probably similar enough to say they are linked um the only thing I think for me the most appealing thing is probably that in some way both of these boys were slightly vulnerable um bear was obviously struggling a lot and from the sounds of things skylar i don't know he wasn't that jock at school he was super confident and outgoing and very secure even his mum says that's kind of her description of him as well so yeah. you can see how both of them might have been quite vulnerable to being applied into some sort of group but as you said there's no evidence that either of these two boys have ever been seen again i always find it a bit of an unappealing theory in general when young adults disappear for life and never ever make contact with their home again. I think we had it similar in Bryce Lapice's case. That just doesn't appeal to me as a theory because I think unless you're really, really running from something, it's very unlikely that you never turn around and tell your grieving family that you're okay. So a lot of the time I don't tend to lean towards that as a theory. And, you know, for like for Bear, I did very much think that he had probably taken his own life and oddly with Skylar I suspect maybe inadvertently that's what he did I don't know why I do definitely lean towards the fact that he may have gone out into yeah the wilderness into this valley the fact that he'd been away for one weekend and come back very dehydrated and dirty etc I don't know why I kind of think maybe he did that again um and I absolutely think there could have been some mental health at play unless of course 
um, his friends were real. But for me, I've as as we said before, I think the fact that he went to this academy on his own, his friends didn't make any attempt to look after him, or even, to be honest, pack some water when going out in a 100-degree heat, mm. which I think if there's a group of three of them, one of them might have thought about it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why. I kind of question whether they were ever real. They've never been found linked or come forward. So I wonder if, spurred on by some mental health, some kind of hallucinations, he did take himself out armed with a torch and a toilet roll and probably very minimal provisions um and i don't yeah i don't know maybe inadvertently end up hurting himself particularly if he you know he made genuinely it sounds like i've had a real fascination with spiritual journeys and stuff and at a lot of the center of a lot of spiritual stories you do often find kind of long periods of isolation or you know, hunger strikes in nature in search of enlightenment, mm. etc. Do you know what I mean? I can kind of wonder whether he went down that path mm. when actually as lots of people discover that nature's quite a cool place and it's not that easy and maybe, particularly if he wasn't feeling very stably, stable mentally, maybe he did end up hurting himself. So if he was suffering from some kind of like uh, schizophrenia or something like that, is it... Um... Is it a possibility that he was having maybe hallucinations and, and things like that? And maybe that's why um, that could be an, a reason for why he went out into the valley again. Because if he was dropped by the academy, which we think that he was because of what the Uber driver said, I think it's not hard to believe that maybe he was then going on like another hike and he was like going up into the mountains again, as he'd kind of alluded to that he'd done before. And I guess kind of my question to you is, if he's having some kind of schizophrenic episode... Is it possible that he's facing these or seeing these hallucinations? Is it possible that he thinks that for whatever reason he needs to climb up this mountain? Maybe he's seeing um, these other two men, Thaddeus and Eli. Maybe they are a figment of his imagination or as a result of his hallucinations or whatever. Because, I mean, I get what you're saying, that maybe he went up there and then inadvertently hurt himself. But, I mean, I guess another theory is also that maybe he did that for whatever reason, be it a hallucination or something like that. Or be it just that he was trying to find, like you said, enlightenment, that kind of thing. But it, but when he got there, maybe he did unfortunately pass away as a result of kind of like the elements and then kind of go back to that theory that the police were saying about, you know, in Bear's case, that maybe animals or something like that took his body and that's why he's never been found. Yeah, and that's definitely what I personally think probably did happen in both cases here. Because, yeah, it's totally possible. I mean, it doesn't even need to be something as specific as schizophrenia, I guess. Like, severe enough dehydration can cause hallucinations. A lot of the time, voices do tell people to do things. Or, as you say, it could have just been completely of his own fruition. Like, he wanted to go and up into the mountains and he had some sort of personal goal to fulfil. Mm -hmm. I do think it's likely that yeah, there was maybe some kind of hallucinations here, but oh, who knows, maybe they were real. But either way, I think it sounds like both the first and second time he was taking himself to quite remote places and, you know, attempting to sleep rough. And I absolutely think that he was probably someone who might have had an idea about spiritual things or read books, but I suspect probably he didn't really have any idea of actually surviving mm. by yourself. And yeah, I mean, America's got quite a few wild animals and things. So yeah, I do unfortunately buy into that theory. I think with this case, I think there's just so little evidence for anything else really, isn't there? And I think a lot of the time where there isn't evidence, it's because there's, that nothing's there, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, completely. I completely agree with you. I think my only other theory is that um, I kind of do understand the whole maybe he joined a religious or spiritual group thing um, and maybe he just got caught up in that. And I I hate the term brainwashing, but I guess that is what it is. Like maybe they got inside his head and convinced him of things um, and he just got kind of caught up with it. And I I get that that's quite like a far-fetched idea, but there are quite, I I did read that there were some um, quite intense religious groups around that area in um, Escondido in California and that the police have tried to speak to them, but they're really not kind of uh, forthcoming with any information because um, unfortunately, Olivia Tozik has spoken out quite um, firmly about her feelings about them. So now they're not willing to come forward and say anything, Um, which I mean, I don't blame her at all. I think I would feel the exact same way if it was my son who'd gone missing and I thought that these people had taken him. Um, But I guess it's very difficult in this case in general, just because there is no sign of foul play. He did tell his mum that he wanted to go and that he was leaving. And yes, it is very strange that he didn't say goodbye or give any more information um but yeah like you said if he's going on some kind of spiritual journey or something like that be it to find himself up a mountain or if it's to go join a group to find himself spiritually um I guess maybe he didn't feel the need to tell his mum where he was going I do obviously think it's just a massive shame and I do really feel sorry for Olivia who just has no idea what happened to her son and but she is absolutely convinced that he's still alive and I think you know mother's intuition does kind of stand for something so I mean hopefully he is hopefully he is out there somewhere and maybe he is um in like a religious group or something like that um I mean I guess on the facts it's very difficult to say isn't it I mean I guess your theory is more towards the fact that he went back out to the mountains yeah I think for me I do wonder that although I absolutely agree with you I think that a religious kind of group or cult would be my second option if only because as I said, I don't often buy into why people never reach back out to their family, but I think yeah. if you have been indoctrinated into quite a strict community or don't feel able to or et cetera, then that does explain that piece of it, like why he would never let his mum know he was okay. The only other thing that I think is worth mentioning is that it's interesting that you said at the start of the case that the police took him saying he's leaving to mean that he doesn't count as a missing person. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine if that had been like a face-to-face conversation or something, but I find it quite strange that a text granted from his number, but frankly could have been written by absolutely anyone, is taken as like at face value that he wants to leave. I mean, it's saying but also true like someone could have had a gun to his head as he wrote that and so I just find it surprising that we live in like a very techie world but actually that is taken still just complete face value and no one questions okay yes he said that but no one you know we don't know the circumstances under which he said he was actually leaving where he was when he wrote it do you know what I mean it just seems that it ought to be a slightly more nuanced I get the police can't investigate everything and it sounds like they did go on to look into this but yeah it just seems a bit strange doesn't it especially given the first few days are normally so crucial if you are going to find somebody oh yeah I definitely agree with you I think it is completely bizarre and oh I'm inferring this but all I can imagine is that maybe they looked at the fact that he'd like taken things with him uh like random things obviously like the torch the blanket the toilet roll whatever his phone and his phone charger and they probably coupled that with the fact that he'd sent this text message and just thought that it was Fine, but I mean, all they had to do is probably scroll back up through the other texts and see that that's not normal behaviour for him, like speaking like that, speaking in kind of riddles, sending very bizarre text messages about being with two women, about um, 
them providing him with passports, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely bizarre that they looked at that and they didn't think that that was maybe, yeah, suspicious or something like that. I agree with you. I don't really know their reasoning behind that. But I guess, like you said, they can't investigate everything. And in their eyes, I guess they had enough to kind of put down on paper that um, he was, you know, voluntarily missing or whatever. Yeah, agreed. It just seems that in a world where technology is used so much more, actually, like, policies and laws, etc., need to reflect that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you say, I do hope that he is alive and did just make a conscious choice, but I find it very odd he was never seen again. Um, even if a lot of religious groups, etc., have denied and not wanted to speak to them, yeah, you'd, I do you'd kind of hope that there'd be some evidence or the police would have sufficient power to really look into it and question them. So... I do hope it wasn't anything sinister, but unfortunately, I just think, how many years ago is this now? Five. Yes, it's a long time, isn't it, for someone to go and actually reflect on the decisions they've made, etc. And you would just hope that, or think, that if he was alive and completely well, he may have reached out by some means to his family, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like he had an awful relationship with them. It sounds like suddenly his behaviour changed a lot, and that may have changed their relationship. Before that, it sounds like they're reasonably close and you just can't imagine that if he is somewhere completely fine that, that he would they would never have heard from him. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the hardest thing, isn't it, in all this? And actually in a lot of these cases where there's kind of evidence that maybe they have voluntarily left, it's difficult because you do wonder why nobody ever reaches out and why he hasn't got in touch with his mum. Um, especially when it's very clear that she's, you know, desperate just to hear from him. And that's what she always says in all the interviews. She just says, like, I just want one phone call from him just saying that I'm okay. Um, But obviously she hasn't received that yet. And that is really sad. Really, really sad. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I guess the only silver lining in this entire thing in these last two cases is that Lalani and Olivia did have each other because um unfortunately um Ray passed away so Olivia now doesn't have her son and doesn't have her fiance and it's the same situation obviously with Lalani obviously her stepson passed away her son disappeared um and and her um the father of her biological kids passed away as well so I just think it's it's amazing I'm so glad they have each other but obviously it is really sad and it won't kind of like fill the void in their life at all um but I guess yeah only silver lining really is that they kind of have each other yeah absolutely I think a lot of the time in these cases I, the thing that I always think must be so hard is that no one in the world can possibly imagine what you're going through yeah. whereas for these two women yeah, it's probably a small solace, but actually they do have someone who can imagine slightly the pain and the emotional journey that they've gone on, particularly because I think I don't know how common it is. People never find out at all what happened. Mm. And actually both of these women are in the same situation of really having no answers to what must be hundreds of questions mm. about their sons. So, yeah, hopefully they continue to be a support network for each other, even if they now agree that there is no link between their child's cases Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree with that well thank you so much guys for listening to this episode and to last week's episode as well if you guys have any theories of your own or you want to discuss it more then head over to facebook or instagram at infraction.thepod and we'd love to carry on the conversation over on either of those two platforms Um, so yeah we'd love to hear from you and we will see you next week for think yeah i think next week's case is going to be about murder so join us for that one and we will see you then Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.